Before we begin, a disclaimer. This podcast is for information only. I am not a mental health or medical professional, nor are my guests unless otherwise stated. My guests and I do not speak for or represent any recovery programs or workshops. I do not sell ads on this podcast, and I do not make any money from it. And finally, I want to warn you that some episodes may contain content about emotional, physical, and sexual abuse, which some listeners may find triggering or dysregulating. Hello, and welcome to the Loving Parent Podcast. If you're new here, this is where we explore the ideas of becoming our own loving parents and reparenting our trauma to build resilience. If you've been here before, welcome back. My name is Brita, and I'm your host. On this episode of the podcast, I'd like to welcome Sandy. She's going to tell her story, and I think she has some really interesting insights to share with us. So, Sandy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Britta. Thank you for asking me. I am thrilled to have you. So, let's run through just some kind of demographic things about your childhood before we get into the nitty-gritty. What was your family like when you were born? What what family were you born into? How many people were there? And I was born into a family. I had one older sister. She was three years older than me. Mm-hmm. And both my parents, I was born in the Bronx, New York. And we lived, I believe that we lived in the same building as an uncle and an aunt. And I think for a while that we left, we lived with my grandmother but i was that was when i was first born okay lived with her okay and was there any strife in the family at that time did anybody have any particular issues like addiction or mental illness yeah my my father was an alcoholic definitely was an alcoholic and my mother um i just uh you know she she had a narcissistic personality disorder okay um ocd i'm sure that she had it then as well Right. And did either of them get any help for that when you were little? No. Okay. All right. So you are the youngest of the two. So of the I'm family. The middle. Oh, you're the middle. There's yeah, one there was after one you. Sister okay. born. Um, one sister was old, three years older. I'm the middle. And then I had a sister that was three, uh, three years younger. And um, she was born after we moved out of the Bronx. Okay. All right. So thinking of the family roles the hero the scapegoat the lost child or the clown is there one that rings particularly true for you i was the scapegoat Absolutely. oh oh well that's quite a role mm-hmm. because it has a place in the family in that the family can say well no wonder we're screwed up look at look at sandy i mean if it weren't for her we'd be in great shape and that's probably the message you got most of your life, huh? Um, the message that I got most of my life was that our family was not screwed up, but um, anything that was screwed up had to do with me. I was okay. just screwed up. I was okay. screwed up. And I was blamed for a lot of, th- I was just blamed for being a child, I would say, because yeah. I had, um, I, I realize now that I had AD, ADD or ADHD, whatever you'd call it. And um, okay some learning disabilities. And so just my being a child with ADD, with a parent that has OCD, (laughs) 
was that's not, not a good combination. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, she didn't. You know, she just thought there was something terribly wrong with me. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I like the title of Oprah and Dr. Bruce Perry's new book, What Happened to You? And they say, don't ever say what's wrong with me or tell the child that. Just say what happened to you. Exactly. I really like that. Okay. Do you remember being parentified? And if so, at what age? Were you supposed to take on a parental role with the other siblings? Were you supposed to parent your parents, make them feel good or better? Um, My parents were very, both very narcissistic and very controlling. So I would never have been allowed to really parentify them. So I would say no. Okay. Understanding that correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Did you have a safe place when you were little? And if so, where was that? Um, I had a safe place. I had, I did have a very nurturing grand. One of my grandmothers was very nurturing. She really did love me because my parents didn't really enjoy the parent role. They went away a lot. And so when they went away, she would come babysit or I'd stay at her, we'd stay at her house. And she was, she was really wonderful. And, and she did love me. So that was safe. Also, I was in a, a group called 4-H and oh, yeah. Um, yeah, at young, I was young. I think I was, I joined when I was about eight. And mm-hmm. um, the woman that was our leader, her daughter was my age, but ironically, I wasn't really friends with her daughter. I loved the mother. I loved her mother. I felt like uh-huh. her mother was, she was my, she was a safe place for me because she clearly loved me. And also she was kind of a hoarder and my mother was OCD, like oh, meticulous. Yeah. So when I'd be at her house, I thought, oh my goodness, like this is just so different. You know, she just doesn't uh-huh. really care. And there was and there was some kind of comfort in that. You know, when, when I look back on it, it, it really was kind of, she was a hoarder. I mean, and I would yeah. never want to live like that. But yeah. it was my first inkling that, you know, people were, were different. And, and I didn't have a judgment about her. And I didn't want my mother to have a judgment about her. So I didn't really talk about it much. Okay. But yeah, she that was, was a big, big person for me. Cool. That's what I was going to say. Did you talk to your grandmother or this person about what was going on in your family? Anything that bothered you or upset you? No, I had no idea that nothing, okay. was, that something was wrong in my family because, again, the parents who are OCD and narcissistic, they 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 convinced me that they were perfect and our, and our, and we were perfect and, right. and the family was perfect. There was something wrong with me, but I just kind of. I guess I just had hope that maybe I would get better. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, I never complained. I actually wore this badge of having this perfect childhood for the longest time because that's what my parents told me. Yeah. I know. I grew up thinking everybody lives like this. Everybody's Mm -hmm. parents drink like this because most of their friends that we would socialize with did. And uh, uh, even a lot of the people in the neighborhood where we live. So I just thought this was normal life. Mm-hmm. This is the way it is. Mm-hmm. And my mother screamed and hit. She was very physically abusive too. And she was just so detached from parenting. But again, I, I think, I, yeah, exactly. I thought that everybody was like that. I never thought she was different or wrong or I, I thought she was perfect. You know, that was the message daily. Right. About how perfect and beautiful and wonderful and amazing she was that we got that message. Yeah. So very narcissistic. Yes. Okay. Um, This one may take a little while and that's okay. Uh, List some of the major traumas in your childhood. Well, 
I'd say that one of my major traumas was school mm. because I had ADHD or ADD. I don't, I'm not sure. They didn't really diagnose it back then, but um, I had one and, and it was very hard for me to, to concentrate. My parents were very negligent, so I didn't really, I couldn't, I didn't understand my homework and they never mm-hmm. helped me with my homework. So there was, tra- I wasn't safe in school because I, I would get, it was, there was a lot of shame. I, I didn't understand anything. I, I just was lost. And then when I bring home my report card, my parents would beat me physically over oh. that report card. So uh, that, that, in retrospect, was like an ongoing trauma. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. safe at school and I wasn't safe at home. And I was unprepared and I was convinced that I was dumb. Mm-hmm. So what was your anxiety level like? Um, well, I sucked my thumb till I was 14. Okay. Uh, I bit my nails like until they like bled. And I think I just dissociated into mm-hmm. other things, you know. So my anxiety level, I can't even imagine to tell you the truth, Britta. I have yeah. no idea. You know, I just think I, sh- I, was shut- I was shut down. I would go into my room. But also I had a lot of accidents, weird accidents. Like I fell through a glass door when I was <gasps> eight. And I oh my had gosh. Uh, like... 200 stitches. I almost yeah. lost my arm. I uh, got hit by a car. Uh huh. Yeah. And then another traumatic thing was my younger sister did die in an accident. Oh, I was a little wow. bit older then. Yeah. And my yeah. older sister uh, tried to to commit su- to commit suicide. She took a a bag of pills. So she was 15 at the time. So I was 12. 12. Yeah. And she was found uh, floating in the ocean and she did get her stomach pumped. But that was the beginning of the don't talk, don't trust, don't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A big, a big one. Yeah. Yeah. So back to your accidents, I was just thinking about kids that are under a lot of stress and it usually comes out in the form of accidents. So Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense if you were under stress at home and at school. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I had a lot of accidents, actually. The first day we moved into our house, we had moved out of the Bronx and moved to a place called Long Island. The first day that I was there, I met a neighbor and I somehow I, I was four years old and I broke my leg. Oh. You know, it was just always something, you know, there was a, a lot of a lot of accidents, a lot of um and, and you know, and what that led to was I always felt like I was in trouble, like I did mm-hmm. something wrong. You know right. what I mean? With these accidents, even falling through the glass, you know, falling through the glass door, pushing, I pushed the door open, but it was, they didn't have tempered glass then. Oh, yeah. Letting my dog out. No one was home. My mother wasn't home. And I pushed that oh. door and all the glass went up in the air and came down all over me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was really, that was pretty traumatic. I guess so. Another trauma, one second, another trauma I just want to say that was ongoing was that my mom would tell me that she was calling the truant officer to take me to jail. And I do remember that vividly and just like kind of stumbling back into my room thinking that they were going to come to, to, to someone was coming to take me to jail. I believe my, you know, always believed my mother. And I, I, that was a time I, I'm clearly dissociated because I don't remember I don't remember any of it. I just remember her. I remember her picking up the phone and doing that, but I don't remember my, I'm sure I was crying. I'm sure I was begging her not to, but I just completely checked out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So was there anybody you could talk to about any of this stuff at school, at 
church, in the neighborhood, family? No. You know, extended family. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, I we, mean, there was no one. Because I felt like there were, I, I think, I don't know why, why I didn't. Now, I did find out later. I knew that my grandmother knew that something was up. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew, I know my, my grandmother knew, but there was nothing she could do except take us when she could. Yeah. Um, later I heard that some of my relative, um, my aunts would say about, it was more like the neglect of my father. Mm-hmm. Like he, he would come home, he was a workaholic and he would just like step over us. Basically. He never like picked yeah. us up or help, you know, did anything with us really. He, he would like yeah. literally walk over us. And, and I remember those words, but no, because I didn't know that anything was wrong. Yeah. I think the first time I knew was when my mother started to confide in me and she would tell me her problems because I was the oldest kid and I was the hero. And I remember telling a neighbor one time and then I just panicked and I thought, oh my God, I, I shouldn't have told her. And I ran back down the hill and I said, please, I just lied to you. I don't know why. Please forgive me. Um, none of that was true. And of course, all of it was true. But I was try I guess trying to unburden myself in some way. Yeah, I I thought it was all there was just something wrong with me and that they were right and if I could just if I could just do better, if I could just be better, if I could just be different, if I could be someone mm-hmm. else, then then things would be fine. And 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 then eventually, of course, I just started taking drugs. Yeah. At a young age. Yeah. And and I was sexually like promiscuous at a young at a at a in a weird way at a, at a very young age too to escape and also that addicted to excitement kind of thing came mm-hmm. up with that okay I was going to just ask you about your high school years um, relationships you know those are such fraught years for everybody trying to learn this stuff and if you don't have parents to help you through it it's really difficult i mean i don't really remember it being difficult for me honestly i had always had like girlfriends that i loved (laughs) that i trusted that i could Mm -hmm. trust that were close friends i was so lucky in those days to have that yeah and and they and they all came from kind of weird families too yeah um so we just you know we just had fun together we just laughed and you know went to the high school things together so you didn't move again after you moved out to long island you were pretty stable there and had a pretty stable group of friends uh my friends would change like um they like from from uh elementary school I had a, a a really good friend, and I had neighbors that I was friends with too, because we mm-hmm. played in the streets a lot. Yeah, and so I had neighbor friends. I had a lot of friends. There was a lot of kids on my block on my street, so I had those friends that were all different ages too. They weren't mm-hmm. uh, even, you know, some a couple of years younger or one year younger, one one older, and and I I had a lot of friends in my neighborhood and friends at school, and then in high school it they changed. You know, mm-hmm, I got of course, older. Yeah, and I always had friends in 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 junior high school and high school. So the, the, when I'd go to different schools, I would kind of make right. different friends. But I always had friends. Yeah, you know, none of them came from like great families or anything. And no, I never. You know, I still had this thing where my, I thought my parents were perfect because my mom could wear a bikini. I mean, it was just so ridiculous. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 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 she was so vain, you know, and and oh my god, she was so vain. So I yeah. just, you know, 
that was like what I, what counted. Like she looked good, you know, she convinced me about how beautiful she was and she wore a bikini and, you know, she just uh, was just madly in love with herself and, you know, yeah. perfect. So yeah, my father, you know, he never brought um, any problems home about money, even though later I found out there was problems, but he always acted like he was rich. And mm. so he never, and he never talked about money. You know, they didn't really buy us anything. They didn't buy the kids clothes or anything like that, but oh. and that was interesting. That was weird, but I just accepted whatever they did. You know, I just mm -hmm. accepted it and I, I didn't, I didn't complain. I stole, I, it turned me into a criminal, kind yeah. of, you know, I started stealing things. I started doing drugs. I started, um, not caring, you know, but, but it was all very secretive. Yeah. So at what age do you think you started using drugs? Like 16, 15. Okay. Uh -huh. Okay. And what age would you say your first sexual experience was? Um, well, I had this weird thing where I was, I was very aggressive sexually and I was, I was like seducing my cousins, mm -hmm. which was really embarrassing now. Luckily, my, well, yeah. my family members talk to each other, so I don't have to see them yeah. anymore. But yeah. And then I kind of went into a shutdown about that because I, I realized I should, that wasn't appropriate. And and so my first, I had boyfriends, you know, they were like, they were love relationships, mm -hmm. uh, but like 16, my first sexual 16, 17. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they were, they were, you know, two, three year relationships with, with men that, with boys that I, that I did love and who loved me. They weren't, you know, it wasn't like, um, creepy or. Yeah. I remember it with fondness, you know, yeah. there, was, there was love behind it. Yeah. Whatever that means. Well, yeah, but that's very sweet. I'm glad you have those memories because that's wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when did you leave home? and What were the circumstances of that? I left home when I was about 18. Mm -hmm. I, had a, I had a girlfriend, a very close friend that I had met. We ended up being friends for t about 25 years. We, um, she lived in Brooklyn. So I was on Long Island at that point. Now, my parents had told me that I was way too dumb to go to college and that they weren't going to oh. pay for college at all. Like, girls don't go to college kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I know. I got that, too. Yeah. So I, yeah. I got jobs in, in Manhattan, in the city, and, um, and I moved out to Brooklyn with this girl and then with my first serious boyfriend. Yeah. And, okay. and that was about, I was about 18 with him. So okay. I moved out at 17 and then I moved in with him at 18. Okay. So how did you do taking care of yourself at that age, being on Great. your own? Yeah. Fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I worked every day mm -hmm. and I, I went to work. I made it to work. Even though I was a drug addict, I um, was functioning, pretty highly functioning, kind of like my dad, who was very high functioning addict, uh, alcoholic. And I worked and I lived in Manhattan. I had, uh, I lived in Brooklyn and Manhattan and paid the rent and did just live my life. Yeah. So did you think you were addicted? Uh, no, no. Okay. Just partying. Um, yeah. I was partying, but I mean, I was, uh, it was a daily thing for me and I couldn't go one day without it, but I didn't really, I, I, I didn't think of it because it was, it was, it wasn't a problem yet. Right. Yeah. At what point did you get married and start a family? I got married when I was 29. I had moved mm -hmm. and I had moved from New York to San Francisco. 
and I met my husband, the narcissist, another narcissist, um, <laughs> of course. when I was um, 29. Yeah. And he was not a drug addict. He was actually kind of brilliant person. He was the first person who ever told me I was smart. And I and he was so brilliant that he really was. I mean, he's Yeah. super accomplished at this point. He's been he was a jazz musician when I met him and he's been nominated for six Grammys and he Oh my. Um then he fell and broke his wrist and became a deputy attorney general for the state of California. He became an attorney. Yeah. 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 So he's pretty, um, he is a brilliant person, but he's very mm -hmm. narcissistic also. Yeah. So how long did that marriage last? 21 years. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And was it a happy marriage most of the time or did you kind of no. go back and forth between I need to get out of here? No, I got to stay. Yeah, I would say I, you know, some of it exactly. It was I, I really got married because my parents pressured me to get married. Oh, okay. You know, they they just really wanted me to get married and like so that they didn't have to be responsible. Not, not like they were ever responsible anyway. Right. It was kind of like they wanted everything with a neat bow. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe they were embarrassed to say that I wasn't married or you right. Know, it was all that kind of stuff. And so I got married because. Of, because of family pressure. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't even really know if I loved him when I married him, which was very unfair because he did love me. Yeah. You know, we had good times and we had bad times and we had lots of break, you know, in back and forth and in. Yeah. And out. Yeah. It was yeah. volatile. It was volatile. Because uh, I was becoming way more independent <laughs> I, and I became successful in business. Mm hmm. And 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 the the more successful that I got, the more independent that I got. And yeah. I didn't really want to listen to, you know, do everything that he told me to do anymore. So created a lot of friction. Yeah. And I was still an addict and he was not. Right. Was he ever physically violent? No. Okay. All right. So did you have children and were you pressured into having children or was that something you really wanted? I never wanted children. Mm -hmm. Which is so interesting to, to realize why now, mm -hmm. um, because my mom didn't make it seem like it was anything fun, right, um, or enjoyable. But um, what happened was my husband had um, we got married and he had gotten a, a a a gig. He was a jazz musician at that time, and I was a jazz singer at that time. And he got a gig on Maui, mm. and so we moved to Maui. And I was singing and he was playing and one of the girlfriends of one of his bandmates got was pregnant and she was mm -hmm. gonna have a baby. And I was 31 and I thought, well, I'm here on Maui and you know, I'm not really, I don't have a regular job, I'm just singing. Yeah, kind of laid back. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll have a baby. You know, it was, it was a very like, it was never like all my life I, I dreamed of having children or getting married, really. Yeah. But it just kind of happened. And so he agreed. And so we had our first daughter on, on Maui when I was I was 31. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then did you go on to have more? I had another one when I was 41 with him. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's hard. <laughs> he didn't want more children, but I did. I was relentless. And... And I had been really successful and I felt like I want this. And yeah. I, I like talked him into it really. And he and he agreed and she's wonderful and he loves her. And yeah. Great. So, yeah. At 41, I had my second one. Yeah. So how did you take to mothering? Did it scare you? It. Was it? You did? Every cool. second of it. 
Yes, I got to live my childhood. I had somebody who loved me, who I loved unconditionally. Mm-hmm. It was just so, it was like a love affair with my yeah. daughters, both of them. I just, I feel like I enjoyed every minute of it, really. I really do. I feel so lucky. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't recognize the joy in it and and really enjoy the kids. Yeah, and even with their homework, you know, everything was just different. Like I made sure they had clothes that they loved, that they felt comfortable in school. When they had homework, I sat with them and I learned a lot of all the stuff that I never learned as a child. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I was interested in the history and the science and all that. And I was, you know, 30, right. you know, 30, 38 and, and 48 at the time. Yeah. But, you know, I, I loved it. So, yeah, it was just a real joy for me to have children. I, you know, I'm so glad. Yeah, I know. I'm so glad I did too. And I always say they're our greatest teachers. We can learn so much just from watching them, staying out of their way. They're, they're and amazing. I got, to, I got to really get in touch with my, my child with them. Yeah. Cause I, I had that spirit, like, you know, when I'd come home from work or whatever, I, I didn't have to do all this stuff. I would just sit on the floor and play jacks with them or, yeah. you know, we built a fort in my living room and, and we lived <clears> in it for a month. Did you really? I How didn't cool. want to take it down. <laughs> right. I didn't want to take it down. Right. <laughs> We That's really amazing. did. We lived in it for a month. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like you were a very cool mom. I was fun. Yeah. I think now, I did your fun. drug I mean, use? I was a little childlike. I, maybe yeah. And well, I was still doing drugs. I was still smoking pot all the time, too. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was going to ask. Did it yeah. taper off any when you had the kids or about the same? Well, it wasn't legal at the time. And so it was kind of like, it wasn't as available because I had corporate jobs, but mm. yeah, I was still, I was an addict. I was definitely an addict. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not my proudest so, moments. <laughs> well, the good comes with the bad, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So when did you first start thinking about recovery? What, what got you to even go in that direction? A therapist. Um, we were having marital problems and, mm. uh, and I talked to the therapist and she said, she recommended, she, she mentioned that she thought I may have a problem with drugs. Okay. And that I, and, and I agreed with her. And so it was the first time I th- realized that it was a problem. And, okay. um, so, so you weren't steeped in denial at that point. No, you, you no, I never was fast. really, I was never, I wasn't really in denial. I just thought it was like a fact of life mm. that this is what I needed. It was my medicine. Uh huh. You know, and that, you know, I didn't know why I needed this medicine as yet, but I needed this medicine and it worked for me. It relaxed yeah. me. It made me not suicidal, you know, not depressed. It was just a, a need. And so I went and I did get some help and, and I was very elated with a whole new world opened up to me about yeah. um, not having that ball and chain. Mm hmm. Because I thought that I, I didn't think I had a choice. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to stop part one here. So I'm going to okay. say a little something. So that's all we have time for with this episode. So that's the end of part one of Sandy's story. And she'll be back with us in the next episode for part two. So please stay tuned. 
Thanks for joining me for this episode. It was produced by me, Brita Firm, and edited by Vaughn David. Our music is by Emmanuel Wilde. If you like what you heard, please leave a positive review and tell a friend. Also, tap subscribe and notifications so you won't miss a single episode. Remember, as you walk your reparenting path, you can take your time. You deserve all the love you want, and my love goes with you.